Happy Father's Day. I thought one person would at least say Happy Father's Day back to me. <laughs> Happy Father's Day. So, um, I have never preached a Father's Day message. Well, guess what? A lot of like my whole first year here is all like I have never preached a Mother's Day message. I have never preached a June twenty third message. I have, you know, there's a lot of firsts. I've never, I've never preached a Father's Day message, but I've, I've been to a lot of Father's Day services, a lot of them, and I'm, I'm always puzzled. I, I, I've told Beth this for years. Said that every Mother's Day service we celebrate and we honor the mothers in the church, and almost every Father's Day. We talk about how miserable fathers are and how they need to get their lives straight with God. Almost everywhere I've ever been. They talk about dads that were never involved in people's lives and all these things. And and uh, I, I always said, I never really wanted to preach that. Now, it might happen one day, so I'm not like giving you a um, heads up that I'll never say that on Father's Day. But, but so I started looking to the Word and I said, God, God let's, let's look at famous fathers in the Bible, right? Um, let's start looking through what the Word says and, and the example that has been set before us, right? The example that is there for us to be able to learn from, to be able to grow from. And there's a lot of different famous fathers in the Bible that I like to look to. There's one specifically that I really like. Um, and this is probably going to be one of the longest intros to ultimately what I end up talking about. But um, famous fathers. The first one that I always think of is I think of Adam. Because Adam is like... Like, the godfather of fathers, right? Like, he's like the OG, right? And so, I think about Adam, and thankfully, when I look at Adam's life, I know that as a father, things didn't quite go the way he probably planned. I work diligently to make sure that my kids don't kill each other. <laughs> Believe that. I'm doing better than Adam did. Right? So I'm like, I feel like, you know, I'm like so far, I mean, literally, you think of Adam, his son Cain literally kills his baby brother, right? So as horrific and terrible as that is, you think of Adam, and Adam is like the original. And so thankfully, whatever notes Adam had from that, I think he has passed down to where we're like, okay. Not too many of us in here, I would hopefully not too many of us, hopefully not any of us, have a story where my one child killed my other child, right? Um, I mean, Brian tried to kill me, um, but I'm unstoppable. Actually, probably, actually, probably, Brian and Jeff tried to kill each other more than anything, being identical twins. Um, just get ready, great. Um, so I think about Adam. I think about Abraham, right? Abraham, who was told that his seed would, would outnumber the stars in the sky. I think of Jacob, who literally fathered the 12 tribes of Israel. But there is one father that has always stood out to me in the world. There is one specific father that has always kind of left out the picture. And there's not a ton about him, honestly, in the Bible, which maybe is part of what makes him intriguing to me. You know, he's this elusive person that you don't quite know everything about him. And the person who always stood out to me as a father was Joseph, right? Joseph 
who was the foster father, if you would say, of Jesus in a way. See, Jesus, Jesus lived such a radical life that you had to know that Joseph was, for a long time, as long as Joseph was on this earth, just admiring what God was doing with Jesus. And I can tell you that me as a father, I get the incredible opportunity to just admire the things that my kids get to do. It's a rare thing. Not everyone gets to experience that. Not, not every father gets to have that type of experience. And there's a song that I love that is sang. And the song is called, All Men Are Broken. Has anyone heard that song? Yeah. Boom. Nailed it right here. <laughs> the song, the song, All Men Are Broken. And literally what the song is talking about is this cycle of brokenness through men. That has happened over and over and over again. And it is, it's a beautiful song. And it's really capturing the idea that all of us, even us men, we have got to get connected to the Father being God. Because when we look at Him as our example for how to father and how to love and how to discipline and all these things that are found in the Word... You will not find a better example. And, and the song is talking about this cycle where this new broken man comes into the world. And his example to be a man is a broken man. And all we do is we keep looking at a broken man to create what we're supposed to be. And I can tell you right now that if any of you are looking at me to try to figure out how to do this thing, you're looking at a broken man that's jacked up. And I'll tell you many times, don't look at me, right? Don't look at me. Like, turn your heads. Don't look. Don't look. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Joey's trying not to make that. Kind of He's like, uh. <laughs> but here's what's unique about Joseph Joseph had this choice. See, because, because of Jesus being his son, and because of the, I'm trying to be careful with my word, baggage, but I'm, I'm just going to use that word. The baggage that came with that, Joseph had to constantly be surrounded by unusual circumstances. At all times. And the often thing that I think most about Joseph, Joseph could have walked away from Mary. He had every right. There is a, an entire community that would have backed him, that would have comforted him, that would have been completely in his court. And honestly, I thought so, so much about the decision that he had to make. Now, thank God that there was an angel, right? Because you know that that had to be going in his head, right? I'm sorry. I love her. But if she came to me while we were dating and was like, um, I'm impregnated by the Holy Spirit, I would have been, God, I got another wacko, right? I would have been like, what, what am I going to do with this now? You know, um, Joseph, Joseph was was put in a position with a very unique choice. But Joseph's choice is what allowed so many things to happen from that point. When you think of what would have happened to Mary if Joseph would have, in that moment, already divorced her and cut her loose, they would have, they would have called it um, adultery. And what they would have likely done is they would have stoned Mary. 
and baby Jesus. Joseph's choice to be a father, to father Jesus Christ, is probably one of the most pivotal moments when you really look at the word. See, if, if the king, Herod, wanted to kill baby Jesus, that would have been his time. To go to Joseph and be like, dude, that is jacked up, bro. You need to get out of that situation. And we can take care of this real quick. Joseph chose to be a father. And oftentimes what we can do is we can belittle the little choices. Sometimes even the big choices. And so tonight, what I want to talk to you about is choices. Not just as fathers, the choices that we make. But as mothers and brothers and sisters and friends, the choices that we make. So tonight I want to talk to you about choices. And I looked up the average amount of choices that we make every single day. Because that really got my brain thinking. I was like, man, there's a lot of different things that you decide. Like, I'm, the way my brain works is I think of, I usually think of like even the direction that I'm going. So if I wanted to go get that bottle of water there, okay? Like my brain is calculating whether I should go this way or that way. What is the quickest way for me to get that bottle of water and come right back? Like my brain always thinks like that. Now Bethany and the kids hate that sometimes because I have great suggestions about how we could have possibly done something better or quicker. And there is not a valve to turn that off yet. I haven't found it. She's trying to, but we haven't found it yet. And what was great was today, Dakota said something that I was like, oh, she gets it. Because her friend Mira went over across the street to go talk to her mom, and then she came back to tell, tell Dakota what her mom said, and then she went back across the street to make her lunch, to then come back after that. Dakota looked at me and she said, Daddy, she should have just went over there, <laughs> talked to her mommy, made her lunch, and then come over. And I was like, yes, my child. <laughs> yes. The, the average amount of choices an adult makes each day equals about 35,000. Now, I thought that sounded crazy. But there was a different study that was done. Cornell University did a study and determined that we make 227 decisions each day just on food. <laughs> I don't doubt it. I mean, Amen. do you put mustard on it? Do I, do I not? Should I slice the tomato? Should I save it for another meal? Like, every single thing is a decision. And you think about all of the choices that we have to make. Choices are tough. And I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. We're really bad at making choices. All of us. Say, I'm bad, I'm bad. at making choices. Proverbs 14, 12, and I know I don't have it up here. I'm just going to say it real quick. Here's what the word says. This is why I say that we're not good at making choices. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. See, that is, that is us thinking that there is a way that we think is right. There's a certain way, there's a certain approach, there's a certain... Um, way we have to do this or we have to do that. And, and if we literally depend on ourselves to make those choices, it says its end is the way to death. So how do we make sure that as we make decisions and we make choices, not only as fathers, but as people and as children of God, that we're making the right choices? 
I am someone who, um, I if I make a decision, like I'm like, that was it. Like I, I knew that was a decision to make. I never, I never, I don't look back. I don't think twice. I'm like, nope, it's done, it's done. Bethany will be like, okay, I'm gonna walk this way. And then she'll be like, should I walk this way? Why did I walk this way? I should have probably, where am I at? You know, and that's, <laughs> that's constantly thinking about the decision that she's made. You know, uh, maybe I shouldn't have made the broccoli slaw today because if I would have made it tomorrow, it would have waited one more day and I could have ate it for Thursday because Tom's going to be gone and I have to do like all, that's, that's the way, I'm like, I ate the broccoli slaw. Well, hold on, let me say that. I almost said I ate the broccoli slaw. You'll never hear me say that. <laughs> The other night, I ate the ribeye. It's gone. It's great. It's enjoyable. It's over. So how do we make sure that we're making the right choices and the right decisions? So I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. And I want to look to what the Word says about decisions and choices. Now this Proverbs chapter 3 is often a chapter that's talked about in terms of um, talking about obedience and doing things the way that God would have us to and being able to really soak this up is I, I think is going to be really important for us tonight. Um, but when I read this, I think you're gonna you're gonna see and understand where the word directs us when it comes to choices. So here's what it says in verse one. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commandments in your heart. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths the truth is, if we can at least get that first chunk in our hearts, it would change every single decision we make. Where it says, keep my commands in your heart. Keep my commands in your heart. If we would literally just apply that, that, that section, that piece into our heart, every decision that we make, would be looked at by what the Word says. We would evaluate by what God wants. And so when we talk about, as fathers, looking at that figure, you know, I talked about that song, All Men Are Broken, right? We look to what the Father has said. We look to the commands that are here. And there's, there's, there's things that come with that, right? Peace, prosperity, you know, and he talks about love and faithfulness. See, we, we have to become creatures of love. Every single one of us. Now, men, y'all sometimes struggle in this area. I think I've talked about this before. I think I, I did when I said the word vulnerable. And then I had said at one point, I don't think that there's probably half of the men in this room have been, even said the word vulnerable. Um, when you love, it is from a place of vulnerability. Because there's a lot of risk. Love is a choice that you make. Love is a choice that you make in every single thing that you do. And what we have to be willing to do is do what this word says. It says, write them on the tablet of your heart. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. 
love and faithfulness. So when it comes to your children, when it comes to your family, when it comes to your friends, let love and faithfulness never leave you. But the big one here, right? Lean not on your own understanding. Because it says that he and he alone will make your path straight. So the question was, right? The question was, how do I make sure that I make the right choices? How do I know that I make the right decisions? How do I ensure that everything that I do, all 35,000 of them, right, are going to glorify God? And it says here, lean not on your own understanding. Now, this is hard for us. It's definitely hard for me. I'm not going to lie. I'm not necessarily an instructions type of a guy. Okay? I will revert to them when things get desperate. But I'm more of like a tinkerer. Like I like to get in. I like to build. I like to get after it. I like to just go for it. And then after a while, I'll be like, why are there 12 shelves? Um, because this is only a three-shelf unit. And that's like, that's the sides and the tops and the back. And, you know, and I'm freaking out. But it says that he alone will make your path straight. But you have to submit to him. In all your ways, submit to him. That means, in all your ways... While you're here. That means in all your ways when you're driving in the car out of here. That means in all your ways when you're going to work. That means in all your ways while you're at work. It means in all your ways when you're going home from work. In all your ways once you're home from work. Because <laughs> sometimes that's when we really go crazy, right? In all our ways, we are to submit to Him. And that is how He makes our path straight. The problem is so many of us are unwilling or unafraid to actually submit ourselves to God. Because we're afraid of what might happen. We're afraid about how someone might respond. I, there's, a, there's a friend of mine that I love dearly. I love him dearly. He is, a, he is a great, great friend to me. But I know that one day I felt the Lord speak to him. And it literally was this word, and I feel like it is so important for us today, that, that we have to be willing to, as men, be vulnerable no matter what our wives think. That's where it gets tough. Because your wife's going to ask you about it. Repeatedly. Over and over. Because she wants to talk about your feelings. <laughs> She wants to talk about, okay, so how did you feel about that when that happened? It's over. Leave me alone. That's when you turn around and walk the other way. Right, yeah, yeah. Like, just tell her you gotta go pray, right? And walk away or something. I don't, I don't know. I haven't tried that. That's a good idea, Mark. Um, but we, we become we become unwilling because we're we're worried about what everyone else is gonna say. But if we if we don't submit ourselves to God. Submit ourselves to God in every single way, in every single thing that we're doing. We won't experience a life that has these straight paths, these straight ways that helps us to make the right choices. Now, if I ask, and I don't have to because I already know the answer. If I ask everyone in this room to say, hey, how many of you have made a bad choice? I, everyone's hands would go up, right? And some of our feet, right? We'd be like, yeah, definitely done that. The word of God is telling us that in all our ways to submit to him and he will make our path straight. Yeah. We have to be willing to submit every part of our lives. Not our Saturday nights and our Tuesday nights. Every part of our lives to him. 
so that ultimately we can make the right choices. See, Joseph made the right choice. Thank God Joseph made the right choice. Because everything that happened from that one choice is, is monumental. And so for us, we have to be, we have to recognize that it is not ours to make choices. Look, literally, it says right here, lean not on your own understanding. Verse 7, here's what it says. It says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. It goes on and says, this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth. With the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Again, it is telling us, don't be wise in your own eyes. The, the sooner that we can, we can submit ourselves to God, to say that, God, I trust only you to help me with this. Not, not and I've told you guys this before, not just the little, the big things, but the little things, everything. Everything that we submit that to God and we trust him to make our path straight. But if we decide that I'm going to handle this chunk and you can handle this chunk, then we're already messed up. Yeah. We've already missed it, right? Yeah. This right here, what it continues to say about honoring the Lord with your wealth, this is why we're giving church. Well, we don't have any barns to fill. Maybe. I don't know. We can build a barn out here. Maybe that would work. But, but we know that as a body, as a church... That is, we remain faithful to do even what the word says here. We know that God will move in miraculous ways. We know that he will because his word says it. His word says it. And so when we get to the point as a people that we believe the word so much that we actually live it, that's when things change. That's when we, we allow and we say, okay, we are going to put God's commands in our hearts and we're going to walk this out. I want you to turn with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Because the, the challenge becomes submitting. Allowing God to really move in our lives. And allowing us to have the wisdom that is necessary to do that. See, for us, we think we need to be smarter. The reality is, we just need to give more to God. We need to trust Him more. We need to lean on Him more. And stop depending on ourselves to be able to answer all the questions and do all the things, right? right? James chapter 1, verse 5, it says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask who? God. It says you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. But when you ask, this is one of my favorite scriptures right here. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. It says you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. I mean, this can be especially hard for us, like asking for directions, right? Because, because we, we don't necessarily want to do that. Thank you, Jesus, for Google Maps, because it helps me. I don't, have to, I don't have to go in front of someone and tell them I don't know where I am. On our, um, our honeymoon night, 
um, we were driving to Chillicothe because um, we were we had been convinced that we need to go ahead and start heading to the cabin that we were staying at in Hocking Hills, okay? And so they, they convinced us, just go go on, just get a hotel in Chillicothe, stay the night there, and then go to the rest, we'll get, be there bright and early, and they'll probably let you in early and all this stuff. So we were like, you know what, you're right. We're crazy kids. Like, we're driving straight to Chillicothe tonight, in the middle of the, middle of the night, Wedding, like literally we had the wedding, we had the reception, we went and ate at a restaurant that used to be called Cockrell's in Blanchester. <laughs> used to be awesome. It used to be a great, yeah, we used to call it Cockroaches. Um, it used to be great until the smoking ban happened in the state of Ohio because the guy at the front counter would just rip on six the whole time. I mean, literally, you would walk up to pay and he'd be, all right, I mean, I never, I never saw him not smoking, okay? When the state of Ohio banned smoking everywhere, the food, like, tanked. And the place literally went out of business. I'm not kidding. It had been there for, like, ever. Decades. Yeah. So, the smoking ban killed cockerels for us. But, so, we eat there. And the whole family, everyone's like, dude, you, you guys just go, just go, just go, okay? So we literally load up, at that point, Bethany's Dodge Neon with every present, because we didn't even get to open presents at the reception. So we have every present in her Dodge Neon. We have all of our luggage in the Dodge Neon. Dodge Neons aren't big, for those of you who have not been in the Dodge Neon. Uh, so, and we take off the Chillicothe. All right. Yeah, I mean, it's completely pitch black. I mean, and it's July, so it's not like it was like, you know, in November and it gets dark out early. No, I mean, it is literally July, pitch black out. We were driving in the middle of the night. And at about 2 a.m., I realized I have no clue where I'm at. We've completely missed it. We didn't have GPS then. So I was using a printed off version of MapQuest or something. I don't remember what it was. And uh, it's about 2 a.m. We are on in a, in a back, dark road. We have no clue where we're at. She's already ready to divorce me. <laughs> she actually said, I just want my mommy. Okay? <laughs> That's always good to hear. First night of the husband, like, nailed it, right? Uh, fine, I'll just take you home. We can just forget all this happened, right? So, so we, we get all the way there. And all of these are because of choices, right? We chose to take everyone else's advice and leave early. The problem for us is there are some choices that we couldn't control, like the fact that we couldn't get a hotel room because we were only 18 and 19, and they wouldn't rent you a room. That was really good when I come back to the car and I say, Bethany, I'm sorry we can't stay here. Why? You just asked me if I was okay. Literally, it was a room at the day's end. It was two double beds, smoking room. She wanted nothing to do that. And I was like, it's the only room. She was like, fine. And then I went to pay for it. And they're like, um, sir, you're only 18. You can't rent a hotel room. <laughs> what? <laughs> Didn't know that. <laughs> we learned a lot on that trip. <laughs> so so I, didn't, I didn't want to ask for directions, right? And I didn't because it was like 2 in the morning. I mean, who am I going to ask? At two in the morning, right? Not like I'm gonna knock on Farmer Fran's door and be like, "Hey, man, where do I go?" I would have died. It would have not been good. That was a good choice, probably not to actually ask for directions. But, but this this word in James literally tells us that if any of us lacks wisdom, we should ask God. But more importantly, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. 
Now, I've told you Bethany prays about everything, and I mean that. She prays about everything. That's one of the first things that stood out about her when I first talked to her on the phone. She literally prayed about everything, okay? And when we were on vacation down in Florida, every from the moment that we left, she was literally praying about who God wanted us to minister to while we were gone. I'm not kidding. Like, we got the Uber, and she's like, are we supposed to minister to this person? Like, literally, she's praying and seeking God, like, constantly. Um, we did have an Uber once. It was an F-350. It made me so happy. I was so excited about that. But we come out of our condo the one night. We were going to eat dinner. And as we come walking, there was a family. There was probably, what, about five of them or so there. Um, and they were all trying to take pictures and uh, as we come up, uh, they said, I'm sorry, would you, would you guys mind to take our picture? I'm like, absolutely not, you know? Um, so I'm like, here, you touch this camera thing. So they have this big fancy camera. And uh, so they hand Beth, they hand Beth a bag and a camera. And the bag has like tons of different camera lenses in it, okay? And they're like, here you go. Um, all the lenses are in there. Like, I think they thought she like walked up and was like, hi, I'm a professional photographer. I just walk around looking for people with cameras to see if I can take a picture. Because she, I mean, literally, the lady's like, you can switch out the lenses if you want. Do whatever you want. And Beth's like, I'm, I'm just going to take a picture. Like, I'm good. I'm good. But, but so we, we took their picture where they were. And then uh, I, I think Bethany had said to him, if you guys want, we'll take, we'll take one down at the beach. Like, we can, we can go on down the steps here because they were up kind of like on the, on the driveway. Oh, wait, no, she told us to. Never mind. Four direction. Um, so she said, she said uh, come down and take this picture down by the, by the beach. So we, we go on down with them. But as we're walking down, she begins to reveal to, to us that she has issues in her knees. And she was talking about the pain in her knees. And... Bethany was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And so we took their pictures, and as we wrapped up um, taking their pictures, um, I believe Bethany said to him, hey, before we, before we leave you guys off, can we pray for your knees? That God would touch your knees, and that you have strength again, and um, all of those things. And she was like, yes, that would be amazing. And so we sat there with her family and uh, prayed over her knees that God would give her strength and restore those, those knees. And um, the thing is, is that when we pray about everything, if we pray about everything like that, like praying for her needs, but we do it without what it says here, that it says that we, that we do it with doubt, it's useless. There's no point. We're just going through a ritual. We're just going through a process but there's no belief behind what we're doing. It doesn't matter how much we pray or how much we reach out. Doing it in doubt destroys the effectiveness of what we are intended to do. That verse 7 literally says that the person who does that should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Doubt is killing our ability to make effective choices in our lives as Christians. Yeah. Doubt is, 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 it's you know... Doubt says this, okay? Doubt says that if I love them, they won't receive it. So we don't love them. Doubt says no matter what I do, things won't get better. So we don't love it. Doubt says I can't honor God with my finances because I don't have enough. And so we don't. Doubt says I'll never. Doubt says I can't. Doubt says it's impossible. Doubt says there's no 
way. That's not what the word says. The, listen, when we doubt, what we end up doing is we try to take those decisions and put them on ourselves. And we already know that we're not supposed to do that. We're not supposed to lean on our own understanding. When we start pulling things out of God's plate, which is where everything belongs, to fully trust in him, what happens is doubt kills our ability to live. And it, it, will, it will hinder you. It will control you. It will prevent you from living the life that God honestly intended for you. Any amount of doubt. Any amount of doubt. And so we have to be people of faith. People of such rich faith. But I literally just last week, we talked about with Lazarus, right? And he talked about, did I not tell you that if you believe, right? And then today, God brings me right here, right? When you ask, you must believe and not doubt. The person that doubts should not expect to receive anything, anything, anything. We want to receive from God. We want to receive. We want to know the direction that we are supposed to go. And so every choice that we make, every choice that we make, we have to stop leaning on our own understanding. We have to stop leaning on our own ideology for how to respond, how to be, how to, how to do. We have to make choices that edify not only us, but the body of Christ and those that are around us. Because those choices could change the world. Joseph's choice changed the world. That was one choice. That was a big one. I'm not going to lie. That was a big choice for him to have to make. But Joseph's choice allowed the opportunity for the Savior of the world to be born. We have to trust and seek God in our choices. In every choice that we make. Men, every single choice that you make. I don't care if it's here or if it's outside of here or wherever it is. Every choice you make, it has an impact on every single one of these little ones that are around you. I think often about the words that I say and the things that I do when it comes to my kids. Okay, Because one of the things that I, I hate um, that Bethany used to struggle with okay, is a lack of confidence. I want everyone to be confident. That's just like the world that I live in, everyone should just be confident, right? And I hate it especially for little girls. I hate it. I hate it. Because when little girls don't have confidence, they make decisions that they shouldn't make. They do things they shouldn't do because they trust someone else to do that for them. Now that's going to sound like I'm a, what is it? What's the word? Um, I don't know. I can't remember. They used to always try to get you to be one when you're oh, there. Okay. Okay. A feminist. There we go. Right? That sounds good. <laughs> but when I became a father, one thing that I knew that I wanted was I wanted to raise strong little girls. That's what I wanted to do. That's why our first child, I wanted it to be a girl. Because I knew that's what I wanted. And I said, I want my girls to be strong. I don't want them to feel 
Like, they can't have enough confidence in this word to walk this out. I'm not saying it's bad to have a husband. I think husbands are cool because I'm a husband. <laughs> Fathers are great. Fathers are awesome. I love fathers. I have a father. But I want my girls to look to this. And let me tell you, men, if we aren't pointing them to this, we're going to miss it. We're going to miss it. And nothing would break my heart more than to see my little girls make decisions that hurt them. That would kill me. And many of you as men have, have probably already experienced that, right? The only decision that Nakoda probably has made that has hurt me is when she's left the toy out. I've stepped on it. That hurts. <laughs> Not good. It does hurt. But when it comes to, to big life decisions that she's going to experience, I want to point her to Jesus. I want to point her to God the Father, who can really show her, who can really direct her paths. And men, we have to do that. Not only with our children, but with our friends, with our family, with the people around us, with our own fathers. That's tricky. I can tell you from experience, that's tricky. It is. But we have to be willing to trust this, and we have to do it with no doubt. Because doubt will say nothing's ever going to change. That's not what this says. That's not what this says to do. That's not how this says to act. And so every choice that we make, let that choice be done by the Word of God. Let us be keeping in mind the commandments that are in the Word, like Proverbs tells us to. But let us be bold enough to pray and not doubt, because that's what God wants us to do. I'm going to ask you guys to stand with me tonight as we get ready to close. Every single one of us is faced with choices, constantly. Whether it be something in your job, whether it be something with your family, whether it be something with the church, whatever it is, everything is a choice. And we have to align our hearts and our mind with the Word of God so that we make choices that honor God. That's my, that's my prayer for you today, is that we become people that, that pray in that faith. We don't find ourselves doubting. We don't find ourselves literally, and, and I've seen it happen, literally someone pray right now and then walk away and start talking about how bad it still was or how bad that experience was. You, know, you pray for forgiveness here and then you walk away after you've prayed for forgiveness and you start talking about how rude it really was that they did that to you or how they treated you or what they did to you. Doubt is going to allow you to keep doing that. But faith, faith changes the way that you speak about every single thing. Everything. Everything. You'll find yourself not using the word, the word, one of the words I've told you I hate this word, is the word if. I hate the word if. I like to use the word when. Right? If God does this, to win. Because I believe. I have faith. I apply that faith in everything that I do. And if we as a people truly get that into our head, we really get it in there, every decision that you make, as you honor God with it, 
you'll walk away confident. Because you're going to know that this word, because it says right here, let love, right? Let love be written as a tablet on your heart. In everything that we do, let us honor him. In everything that we say, let us honor him. Because we have to make choices every day. Tomorrow, you're not automatically going to get the opportunity to say, hey, guess what? Tomorrow, here's a special day. Even Tomorrow's going to be Father's Day, right? So some of us dads are going to get the opportunity to kick our feet up and not do much. Bethany said to me today, just a little bit earlier, she said, hey, um, we got all that mulch in the back of the truck. We've got to get the beds done and everything like that. And I said, well, there's, there's always tomorrow. Like, we'll, we'll just do it tomorrow. Tomorrow will probably be a nice day. We'll get it done. She said, but tomorrow's Father's Day. I said, I know. You and the kids will get it all done. Don't worry about it. You and the kids. <laughs> but even tomorrow, men, fathers, still going to have to make choices. Every, every day you're going to be faced with choices. And we have to stop leaning on our own understanding for every single one of those choices. We have to trust the Father. And we have to pray to the Father. Ask Him for wisdom in every situation. And as we ask the Father for, for wisdom, we have to believe that we will receive that wisdom. That's what God wants for us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for your word. And God, I pray that as a body, that God, we would be people that would make choices that would honor you, that would honor your sacrifice, that would honor your holiness, that God, that would honor everything that you are. God, I pray that we would be a people that would make choices that would honor you. God, I pray that we as a body, that where we lack wisdom, God, that God, we would pray to you, that God, you would, you would guide us, you would direct us, that God, you would give us give us wisdom that when, when we even look at situations, that it would be you that had moved through us, that it would have been you who had spoke through us, it would have been you who had given us that idea or that thought. And God, that in all of those things that we would honor you. And that God, as we pray for wisdom, that we would do it without doubting. That God, as we pray for everything that we have need of, that God, that we would literally have no doubt in our hearts. And in our minds, and in everything that we do, God, let us honor you, God. Don't let us be a people that would lean to our own understanding. But God, let us walk in the straight paths that you and you alone can make for us. 